Thank you, Sharon, and thank you, Sabrina. Uh, thank you, Jason, for leading us in worship. And thank you, Whaley, for your testimonial and the imagery that you gifted us in so doing. Um, today, we're in one of our all-time favorite passages, and I would say a DNA-shaping passage for the life and the lifeblood of this church. And so to be able to slow down and sit and allow those scriptures to speak to us. I know that God is already speaking even before the sermon begins. God has been writing a sermon in and among this space. I want to take you with me right now to one of my favorite places in Arkansas. Uh, if you're not familiar with me and a little bit of my story, that's kind of where I'm from. Um, and there's a little place off I-40. You go down a two-lane highway. You take a left at the cornfields. And you go until you're no longer comfortable driving past this many fields. And as you pull into the packed parking lot of Craig's Barbecue in Duvall's Bluff, Arkansas, you swing through those doors like it's a saloon, like we're in the same wild, wild west. And there are people from all walks of life with sleeves rolled up. Luckily, one of my childhood best friends, Brett, uh, he took me so I knew what was going to happen when as soon as you walk in the door, the lady screams at you from the kitchen, what's your order? You go into a place like that. You know it's going to be good. And if you're not ready for your order, you know you are about to get shamed. <laughs> Brett said, we'll have four hots, two bags of chip, and two cans of Coke. And I just wanted to hug my brother for getting my back like that. The barbecue was so good, I think I got tears in my coleslaw. <laughs> I also think I just wrote a country song. Tell me that's not a song. Why is tears in my coleslaw? Not already. Man, top 40, y'all. Sitting on a gold mine. The barbecue is so good. It's got this like citrusy thing going on and the vinegar thing. And it just isn't like any other barbecue I've ever had. And, and I've had, had my share. Um, but as we were leaving, Brett pointed to the ground in this wood-paneled small dining room that we were in among, again, people from all walks of life. And he said, you see that mark going across the floor? It looked like scars there. He said, that's where the room used to be divided. He said, you see that door over on the left side? That was the door in the 40s where only people of color were allowed to enter into. And the white folks would go through the main center door. And all of a sudden, that slaw and that barbecue, they hit different. Now, the wall was no longer there. It had been taken down. The scars were the same. And the two doors were both intact, even though both are now open to anyone and to everyone. Where I got to sit that day in that dining room was in the, the new reality. I got to sit in a new ethic of love and hospitality and welcome. And it was a, an ethic of love that didn't just smell like good barbecue, but also smelled like Jesus. Smelled like kingdom. Smelled like a beloved community. The divided wall had been torn down. The tables had been scooted closer. This great barbecue shack of a house had been expanded. You couldn't see it from the outside, though. There, there weren't any renovations that I could tell that had happened on the outside. No, it looks the same. In fact, that is a flattering image of that building. 
I don't know when, I don't know what Photoshop magic happened. It's never looked like that in my lifetime. But though the exterior had remained the same, the interior had somehow expanded. Somebody say, expand the house. God is expanding the house, and it may not always look different on the outside, but on the inside, God is tearing down walls and doing work. The frame was still the same on the out, but on the in, the house had expanded, and you saw it when you walked in, and you noticed it by who you now got to sit by. The invitation, I believe, today is crystal clear. I believe the Spirit is moving us, both as people and peoples, to expand the house. Can somebody say expand the house? Expand the house. When we sit down, when we slow down, when we pay attention, what walls are still standing that need to come down? What doors have been closed off so only certain folks can enter in? What tables have been separated and segregated so we can't share together? What has kept our hearts closed from communion with one another? Expand the house, Lord. God is going to expand the house of Cornelius in our scripture today. But first, God has got to do some expansion in the interior house of Peter. Peter may look the same on the outside. But on the inside, God is doing some renovations. And renovations, ideally, begin with blueprints. So we'll start today with blueprints. The Spirit first calls Cornelius at the beginning of chapter 10. And Cornelius, he is, he is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. He's a centurion of the Italian regiment. But he's a devout, God-fearing Gentile who worships the God of the Jews, Yahweh. He gives generously to those in need, and he prays to God regularly, and God hears his prayers. He's got echoes of Tabitha as one who lives an ethic of love and hospitality, of caring for those that Jesus says, this is true religion. Are you going to live into this reality? And this Cornelius says, yes. And it's this man as unexpected in our scriptures as a Samaritan woman at a well or a Canaanite woman begging for crumbs from Christ. It's at this man that God first gives us the blueprints of the redemptive story that God is writing. Go seek Simon, the one they call Peter, and bring him back to me. And so Cornelius, he sends his folks to do just so. And then that takes us to our dear brother Peter. Join me in Acts chapter 10. We'll start in verse 9. It says, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry. He wanted some of that Craig's barbecue. He knew not, though. He knew not. He wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. The four corners, the expanse of the entire world. It contains all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And so the voice spoke to him a second time. Boy, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. 
And this happened three times. And then immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs and do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter is hungry and he's in the trance of a vision and he can't fully comprehend what God is speaking to him then and there. I'm at a train station and Jesus is sitting behind me and I'm waiting on a train. Whose train is this? There's a sheet from heaven and there's animals that faithful Jews don't eat. And I'm being told to consume them. And what is this about not calling unclean what God has called clean? And did you catch where Peter is staying? It says he's staying in a tanner's house. Tanners work with the flesh of dead animals. He's in an unclean home, having dreams of unclean animals and being told to eat that which is unclean. And then when he wakes and shakes up out of it, the scriptures go out of their way to tell us that Peter is still ruminating on this thing. Verse 17, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision. Verse 19, while Peter was still thinking about the vision. And yet, as much as it confused him, it must have also compelled him must have been something in it even captivated him because he hasn't thrown it all away. He didn't wake up and just say, that was just hunger. He's still sitting with it, still wondering, still thinking, still bringing it to his therapist. The Holy Spirit has downloaded the blueprints of disruption into Peter's spirit. The spirit caught him in that vulnerable place of hunger and sleep. When Peter is hangry and tired, the spirit disrupts him then and there. God often meets us, church, and reveals something new to us, not when we're at our best, not when we're at our strongest and most able not when we're at our most sure about the next career path, but often in and through our weakness and vulnerability, often in the midst of the uncertainty. And just because we can't see clearly doesn't mean God isn't speaking clearly. We can't always trust our sight as much as we can trust God's voice. God is speaking something in it. And these blueprints and this moment of this lack of uncleanness that Peter wants to hold to, they are the thinly sketched glimpses of God doing a new thing. And it's often the case for when God's doing a new thing in us, when God's downloading those blueprints of disruption into our spirit, those blueprints are offensive. No, we don't eat that, God. No, we don't sit together, God. No, we don't go into one another's homes, God. We might show up in a sanctuary, 
Now, we don't exactly watch the same cable news channel, God. You know, we don't actually believe in the same theology on that one, God. And God says right back, eat. But where God offers blueprints, Peter continues to only see boundaries. I can't eat that. Our people, we don't eat that. Your people don't eat that. That's only the food for the unholy, the unrighteous, the unfaithful. That's the food for the un. And God says right back, boy, take and eat. Here's what Dr. Willie Jennings, who's been both for Pastora Inez and myself, just a commentary, but even more a conversation partner through this whole series of Acts. And he talks about this space of eating. The space of eating, Dr. Willing writes, was also the space of living that wove together the bodies of the earth creatures in shared recognition of one another in ways that best be ignored only by the foolish. Thus, to eat the animals that were associated with the people was to move into their space of living, a space of people and animals. So to take hold of their animals was to actually join them and to imagine the flourishing of life through participating in the community of creatures that surrounded their bodies. The sheet of animals descended from heaven and the creator of the world granted Peter permission to eat. In so doing, God placed Peter in the midst of the world and said to him, join it and join them. To make it plain, it's your mom dropping you off at your friend's house before the sleepover. You better eat whatever they put on the table. You will shame your family's name. Don't be calling me. Don't be asking for ketchup. You just eat it. Because if you don't, you're not denying the food. You're denying them. Dr. Jennings continues, Peter is not being asked to possess as much as he is being asked to enter in. That language of kill and eat, we can hear it with our offensiveness of our ears, but what God is really inviting into is not dominion, it's communion. Peter's not being asked to possess as much as he's being asked to enter in, to become through eating, a part of something that he did not imagine himself a part of before the eating. This new eating grows out of another invitation to eat, one offered by Peter's savior and friend. This is my body, which is given for you. Take, eat. This entering in, this eating is a holy call, even if Peter can't see it in whole. He awakes before he figures it out. The spirit has moved disruption into his spirit. And the blueprints have blurred all of those boundaries right in the midst of vulnerability. And yet, those blurry blueprints in our lives, the download of disruption into our spirit, right in the midst of our vulnerability, these blurry blueprints are often seeds of redemption. God's burying a seed. It looks dark. It's covered in ground and soil. It's below the earth. And yet God says, I'm planting seeds. And right now I'm just giving you the blueprints. Perhaps God has blueprints stirring in your heart. Even now your imagination has been disrupted. As of late, a new thing is beginning to just 
it's, it's, it's not yet yeast rising. It's just, it's just been mixed in there at the moment. And right now your hands feel dirty and you don't know what God is doing. You sense disruption may be an invitation, but right now you feel more of the rupture of the disruption. There's a breaking. Perhaps God's got blueprints of greater grace that God is growing in you even now. Uncomfortable amounts of grace. Perhaps God is expanding the interior of your house and the birthing in that is a birthing of a greater forgiveness in your spirit. If you'll just follow. Perhaps there's a wider table that God is setting and God is inviting you to host at that table. But is the door open? The blueprints may be relational borders that you're being invited to stretch or cross. The blueprints may even be not the tearing down of boundaries as we see them, but perhaps the putting up of some. God's way of saying, actually, it's time to get out of that house. That house is not expansive enough for you. And so if I'm going to expand the house for you, you're going to need some space to run. You're going to need some space to roam. And if your body has to contort to go into that home, no, I'm in the business of expanding the house. Can somebody say expand the house? Yeah. I said, could somebody say expand the house? Yeah. God's got a spacious space in store with your name on it. May you ponder these things in your heart like Peter. May you treasure these things in your heart like Mary. May these blurry blueprints be seeds of redemption. And so we move from blueprints to breakthroughs. Before every breakthrough, though, church, is the breaking. We like the through part. We don't like the I-N-G at the end of that. But if we follow along in the story, we'll see the, both the breakthrough and the breaking. Chapter 10, verse 23, it says that Peter follows along. After he invites them into the home, they stay with him. And then the next day, Peter starts out with them. And some of the believers from Joppa go alone. Peter gathers his posse. I'm not going alone. The following day he arrives in Caesarea and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends too. I'm not going alone either. As Peter entered into the house, as Peter broke through, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him stand up. Get up. I'm only a man myself. And while talking with them, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with the Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent me? Peter begins with curiosity. He walks into Craig's Barbecue in Duvall's Bluff, Arkansas. And to his great disruptive surprise, the wall that he had heard was there had been torn down. He was so sure that he was going to find it 
Yet when he broke through the threshold of that door that had so long divided, there was no wall there anymore. It was one thing to get the blueprints, to sit in the disruption of it all. It was another thing to cross the threshold of the door frame that had divided, that stood as the framework for historical hostility. It's one thing to enter in through these blurry blueprints of our imagination, the potential what if of it all. It's quite another to actually move your body even in the company of those who live like you, believe like you, eat like you, but to move even as a familiar into the company of those who don't? Yeah. This is the breakthrough, and it may feel like a small step, but it's a giant leap. Often faith-ing, is simply following. I wonder what those footsteps of following looked like for Peter as he walked that long road to Cornelius' house. And as he enters in, his people next to him, Cornelius's next to Cornelius, and though that wall that was divided for so long no longer still stands, Peter still points to it. He says, hey, look at the floor. See those scars that run along? You know it was unlawful for us to be in the same room together? You know there used to be a door on the left side of this restaurant where only some folks could walk in through that door? But here's the deal. God spoke to me. Both doors are flung wide open now. And that wall is not here. So what's up? Why am I here? Why'd you call me? Cornelius responds, verse 30. Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, and at three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me. And he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. That verse is not necessary, but it sure is beautiful. We didn't have to get that detail. But I love that Cornelius is honored. God has heard your prayer. God's remembered your gifts to the poor. Now send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it sure was good of you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Peter showed up in the home, I thinking that Cornelius had something to say. And then Cornelius said, no, actually, the microphone is now yours. I wonder what happens in that pregnant pause right there. How long it took for Peter to survey the room and realize, oh, it's me? I'm supposed to have something to say right now? I wonder if in the waiting, if Peter is picturing countless conversations Jesus had, where Peter was just off to the side, watching in, as his rabbi disrupted divisions. 
All of those moments where the disciples had constantly demanded boundaries. Get back, kids. Jesus, you know you're not supposed to talk to a woman right here. Where the disciples had constantly demanded boundaries. And yet Jesus had continually demonstrated belovedness. They just beseeched boundaries over and over. And Jesus just bestowed belovedness over and over and over. And I wonder for Peter if that film reel in his head is spinning. And for the first time, if it's starting to click as he's now broken through. I wonder if something broke in him. Those blueprints, those boundaries, the blurry of it all, the breaking, and then the breakthrough. Peter once was blind, but now he sees a breakthrough is here. Verse 34, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God has expanded the house of Peter. He may look the same on the inside or on the outside, but on the inside, God has done some work. He has expanded the house. He says, I now realize how true it is. And he begins to proclaim the good news of Christ Jesus to them. You know the message that God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace and shalom through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And over and over and over, Peter continues to proclaim the goodness of the good news to ears expectant, anticipatory, ripe and ready to hear and receive. And the revelation only came as he walked into the blueprint, as he lived into the blueprint. This was not just a hypothetical. This was not just the imagination. This was Peter leaning into and living into a reality and taking a seat at the table. It's one thing to sit with it with yourself. Another to bring it to somebody who can hold that with you. And then a whole other thing to begin to then take the steps. God's desire for all time, for all people, for Jew and Gentile, for female and male. God always, always, always called us to be one. Oneness, not as sameness. Unity, not as uniformity. God's distinct desire was for the beautiful nature of God's beloved community to be the expression of the Imago Day in all of us, all of you. Since Genesis 1 in the book, all were to be made in the image of God. So when I see you, I see the Imago Day reflected back to me. That's at the beginning of my Bible. I don't know what's at the beginning of yours, but it starts that way in chapter 1. And then as we get to the first patriarch in Abraham in Genesis 12, it tells us that Hey, your blessing that I'm giving you, it was never only for you. It was always for all. This will be a blessing for all peoples, all ethnos, all nations, unto the ends of the earth. It was always for all. The blueprints were always for all. And the prophets, the call of Isaiah is for these mountains to be torn down. 
for these valleys to be raised up, for those hills to be made low, for the rugged places and the broken paths to be made plain. Why? So that all people could see God all together. Don't miss the together in the text. The blueprints were always for all. God was always already in the business of expanding the house of God. We see it in Jesus' prayer in John 17. A oneness for the people that the world would know. God's heart for the world through the heart of the disciples. The commission in chapter 28 of Matthew, go and make disciples, followers of Jesus, of all nations, all ethnos, all peoples. The words of Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Spirit is coming upon you. Because I'm expanding the house from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the end of the earth. The blueprints were always for all. And so as you live into those blueprints, would you feel the breakthrough of God's divine desire. I don't know what the end of your book looks like. But the end of mine, it tells us that there's going to be a group of us together. A great multitude that no one can count. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, all standing before the throne and before the Lamb together. Chapter 21, look, God's dwelling place, God's home, God's expanded house is now among the peoples. They will be my people, and I will be their God. The blueprints were always for all. They were right there the whole time. Peter's just now living into it as he crosses the threshold to the breakthrough. I wonder what threshold in your life God is calling you to cross. The blueprints may feel new to you, but God's always been writing them in your spirit. You just felt the disruption now. And it may be in you, but it's not of you. God did that. God dropped that. <laughs> Through the living spirit of God. Your outside may look the same. But the inside. God's been expanding the house. On the inside, mountains are being torn down. On the inside, valleys are being raised up. On the inside, rugged places, rough roads are being made plain. God is leveling out. On the inside, God is flinging doors wide open and pulling tables together. Would you live into the breakthrough? Bring a friend with you. Don't go it alone. Peter doesn't go it alone. Cornelius sure doesn't go alone. He's got his whole family, all of his relatives. They're all side by side. Then we move from the blueprints to the breakthrough that God was always designing all along to the full-on baptism. In the baptism, that's where it gets good. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came upon all who heard the message. We're really excited about Acts 2 when there's flames and tongues and wind and the Spirit has moved upon all of the people. What happened to our excitement about Acts 10 
We're inside Cornelius' home. A Gentile is experiencing those same flames above them right then and there. The wind is moving through that place. The Holy Spirit came upon all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, jaws to the floor. They got tears in their coleslaw, y'all. Those who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And so Peter stands up and says, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. I hear the echoes of a conversation with an Ethiopian eunuch standing outside of a carriage, pointing to water and saying, I want to follow this Jesus. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? I don't know if you caught it earlier in our book, but here was the answer. When the Ethiopian eunuch, who doesn't fit in cleanly into any of the categories that we want to put on them, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? Here was the answer. So they walked to the water. And that Ethiopian eunuch was baptized. And so Peter, in the same echo of that beautiful goodness of the good news back a couple of chapters before, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. Because they've already been baptized with the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Christ Jesus. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Baptism. Baptism is the fully immersive, wholly embodied expression of intimate and infinite communion with God and one another. Sorry, when I write seminary sentences, I gotta say them twice. It says that baptism is the fully immersive, wholly embodied expression of intimate and infinite communion with God and with one another. So it's no small thing for Cornelius and his family and his relatives to all be baptized together in the witness of Peter and the familia that rode into town with him too. They are now one, y'all. The baptism is the living into of the thing. It's the risky, scary thing. It's the thing where you go underwater before you're pulled up out of water. Baptism is the living into it. It's not just crossing the threshold. It's not just the breakthrough. It's now what's beyond the breakthrough. It's now what seals the breakthrough. It's now what says, I'm not going back. I'm never going back to the way it used to be. No, this road points to you. This road points to us. It's an embodied ethic, not just an ideology. It's a lived theology. It's a preaching that we show sure better practice. And the greater knowing comes from the fuller doing. The real living into the baptism is not just walking into those waters. And that beautiful celebration of applause is what happens not on Sunday, but on Monday. And not this week, but also next. And not this year, but the year from now. It's the lived into 
It's hopping on the train. It's saying, I'm going wherever you go, Jesus. I invite you, blurry blueprints and all, to feel the disruption. Perhaps you feel the rupture of the disruption. God's doing a new thing. Something's stirring. It's not just Craig's barbecue. Man, that sounds good. Receive the blueprints. As we take steps into the breakthrough. Is there an invitation of a breakthrough that the Spirit is putting upon you even now? As we commit not just on our own, but in the faithful witness of those who know us and love us and trust us and are with us. To say, I'm going to walk with you all the way through to baptism on this thing. Maybe that's, maybe that's baptism, these waters behind us. But maybe it's beyond baptism. It's a, it's a baptism of your whole life now saying we're fully immersed one with another. This text is a holy text for me. It's a beautiful imagination of how God expands the house. Peter will never look the same. And even if you go in your text and you find these moments where Peter tries to live into his old ways, oh, there's faithful friends like Paul who will call him out and oppose him to his face. What are you doing sitting on that side of the restaurant again? Don't you know that wall was torn down? Don't you know that God already expanded the house? Don't make yourself small again. Can somebody say expand the house? God, I pray that you will expand the house in each of us and also us as a collective community, as a church, as your people, God, as those who fearfully and faithfully follow you all the days of our life, God. We may look the same on the outside, but on the inside, would you do a stirring? Would you do a stretching? Would you make us uncomfortable for your glory, God? Would you be with us through every single step of the way? We don't understand the vision. What's the train? Why am I sitting here? Would you walk with us all the way through it? Bring us back to it again and again. God, just because you spoke it once doesn't mean you won't speak it again. Tell us again, Lord. Show us how to live into it, Lord. Give us steps to take, God. Put people around us that'll not just hold us accountable, but will be good friends. Walk with us through the breakthrough, God. Be with us in the breaking along the way. And God, really, because we long for communion and with your community so much, baptize us, Lord. Give us the courage to wade into those waters, to submerge, and by the power of your Holy Spirit to rise in it. Wherever you find yourself in the story today, God's with you there. You're not alone, God's with you there. And so I pray that during this time, as Jason's leading us in a response, we will just continue to envision.
envisioning God with you there. Just soak in that image. God's with you there. God's with you.